Scottish Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. Um, I am Cammy Black, and joining me this week for a very special episode of the podcast, I have John Anderson. Hi, folks. I am so excited. <laughs> this is this is possibly the best thing we've ever done, John. Yep, yep. It's it's up there. What this week? There's still no rugby. Who knows when there will be rugby? What I will say next week. We are going to talk about some rugby. Next week, we have lined up a panel of experts and possibly E&A um, to, <laughs> to look at what kind of rugby or what rugby is going to look at like when this is all over. There's been a, a plethora, a plethora of rugby news. Um, there's some sort of Game of Thrones style um shenanigans going on at the top of world rugby right now with Gus Pichot and, and Bill Beaumont fighting out over the buffet so we want to kind of try and wrap all that up as well as all the stuff that's been going on domestically within Scotland just to kind of look ahead to the future so a bit of a trigger warning to anybody because I know some people um I know I have been are not uh, avoiding anything linked to what's actually going on in the world right now so we, we're probably going to touch upon that next week however this week we are not that's for next week. This week we're not. This week we are basking once again in the warm, friendly uh, glow of nostalgia. Because this week, John, <laughs> we are looking at Darcy Graham's dad's attempt to win Gladiators in 1997. <laughs> yes, we are, Cammy. Yes. Yes, we are. The problem is this isn't even classic era Gladiators. No. This is, this is towards the end. I mean, it's not... I was still watching at this point, I think, in 97. But it's not... that We're on to kind of the second generation of gladiators. Yeah, it's, 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 like, it's like Marvel Phase 2 at this point. You know, so some, of the, some of the OG are there, but there's some new faces. You, you, you don't quite love them as much. You're like, I don't really... I, I can't really buy into you. You are not who I thought you were. It's... Yeah, it's, it's a bit strange. But yeah, I was the same. I was, I was still... Uh, fervently watching by this point. Yes, I think I, I think I'm still hanging on. I mean, the interesting thing here is for, for, that is rugby related. Is um, this is the series where John Fashionu stops presenting and Jeremy Guscott inexplicably is brought in as a t- as a host or Jezza as he will forever Je- be known as Jezza as he's referred to. <laughs> What's interesting though is they refer to him as Jezza in the first episode that um Ali Graham Darcy's dad's in, which is the the heats. But then in the quarterfinals, they're no longer referring to him as Jezza. So I can only assume that he's had words at some point and said, No, we're not doing I'm his not agent, being referred to as Jezza. Agents went in and stamped his feet and went, No, no, you want my boy, you call him Jeremy. I can't find any reference to what Jeremy Guscott did before rugby. To figure out if this was like, because it's, to figure out whether he's got had any previous form for being a TV presenter. Yeah, it's inexplicable that he would finish his. I mean, because you obviously see rugby people finish their career and go on to be rugby pundits now, and this this is quite quite the norm. But it's inexplicable to think maybe they just thought like right, fashionu. He he played a sport, um, and we'll just replace him with another guy who's just retired who played a sport. It's fine; nobody will notice. It was it was very strange, um, and as you say, I don't think he had any 
um, previous on that side. And he's still playing for Bath at this point as well. That's the other. This isn't like someone who's retired from rugby, and and has decided to get you know retired from rugby after because this is post Lions Tour ninety seven as well. We'll come on to that yeah. in a bit when we talk about the first episode because they reference it. But this isn't you know he he's in the middle of his career with Bath. It's not like I've retired. I'm going to present telly. Yeah, that is very strange. Um, I did read um, when I was doing a bit of research on because uh, I'd forgotten this was the series that Jeremy Guskett came in. And I was wondering why you, when, in our group chat on Facebook, before I'd watched the episode, I was wondering why you were talking about him, completely having forgotten he was at all linked to Gladiators. And then we put the episode on and it was like, where's John Fashnew? Oh, there's Jeremy Guskett. Oh, it all makes sense now. Uh, so I was doing some re- some digging to try and find out why Fashionu had been been fired, and I stumbled upon an article that said he he actually used to something about he asked to be substituted at half time from a Wimbledon game so that he could get back to be able to film Gladiators in time. <laughs> Just outstanding commitment to the Gladiators cause. <laughs> um, the. It's not. This isn't the official Gladiators TV uh, website. This is GladiatorsTV.com, which is kind of like a fan site um, where I've done most of my research for this episode. Um, <laughs> says that he became co-host in 1997 after John Fashion, who had a two-year break. Uh, presumably Wimbledon were like, no, son. You know what? We're not seven years after anymore. We're going to get two seasons out of you. Think, and I mean, I would like to put a, a massive legal disclaimer on this, but there was the stuff around the match-fixing scandal with him and Bruce Grobelar going on at that point, and I'm not entirely sure that he wasn't patched because of that. When of which of which he was completely cleared of. Yes, he was. It was. He was completely cleared of. Okay, but um, but there was yes. yes. Um, Jeremy Guscott, though, was once surprised during the filming of Gladiators by Michael Aspel, and he was presented with the This Is Your Life book. Can you imagine how dull that episode of This Is Your Life would have been with oh, Jeremy Guscott? It's, uh, it doesn't bear thinking about. It, yeah, that must have been dreadful. Yeah, it doesn't say. I've not no idea what Jeremy Guscott's career was prior to rugby. This is the problem I've got, because he because rugby turned professional in 1995. So we're two we're, by this point. We're two years out from rugby turning professional. So he's got, but you know, most of them are what England team were solicitors and insurance salesmen and stuff like that. They were. Yeah. There's no reference to what Jeremy Guscott did, and I've been unable to find out. However, the um, performing artists, which I think is one of these, um, must be like his agents or something said uh says that he was one of the first players to take advantage of the new freedoms in the game as it moved to professionalism his transcendence from the game of rugby to television presenting radio commentating and modeling has made him a household name modeling yep he was a model no. as well yeah no come on yep oh, i don't know I, what he modeled. i mean I, yeah i've i've tried i've tried really really hard not to come on here and hate on Jeremy Guskett, but you tell me things like that. It's like you're just poking a bear, Cammy. Come on. I'm, I'm now Googling Jeremy Guscott modelling. Um, yeah, there's like photos of him in oversized suits. Mainly that's what well, he's... It's photos of him well, looking um, smouldering in business suits, double-breasted. There's a, there's a fantastic first image <laughs> if you do Jeremy Guscott modelling. It's him in a, an open, double-breasted 
kind of beige, light beige suit jacket with a a kipper tie and light beige shirt. So yeah, that's that that, that, that's what he's look. It is. It's a strong look. It's very very nineties that look. Very kind of eighties nineties look that. Oh um, yes, no, I've got it. Got it in front of me now. Wow, yeah. The, there's a few smouldering images here. We'll come on to his his, his wardrobe for gladiators in a moment. <laughs> um, he presented Carlton TV's Body Heat alongside Sally Gunnell and Mike Smith. I have no idea. I'm going to find out what that is in a minute. He also presented BBC Two's children's series Top Score, which sounds like it's to do with football or rugby, but it's not. It's a child friendly introduction to the opera. Oh wow. <laughs> That's not upper class at all. <laughs> no, um, he's now this. This is a big claim. I think this is a stretch. He said he's an excellent and enthusiastic golfer with a handicap of twelve. I would say that twelve makes you a bang average golfer. That yeah yeah yeah. If you're not in the single figures, you are nowhere near approaching excellent. Enthusiastic, maybe certainly not excellent. No, I mean I can hardly talk because I'm. Uh, because I'm I'm a terrible golfer, but still, I think to say that you're a, um, yeah, to say you're a, you're an excellent golfer with a twelve handicap, I think that's that's hard. Um, body heat I, was, I was a regular, but I was a regular butt of the um, your handicap is your golf game joke. Um, <laughs> when, <laughs> so yeah, I've got I've got no no uh, comeback on that sadly. Um, Body heat was three pairs of yuppies get all hot and sweaty through a variety of studio-based and outdoor exercises. Rounds were varied, some better than others. Uh, there was a race on gym. It sounds like a really cut-price gladiators, to be fair. It's just <laughs> fitness tests and bleep tests. That's what they did on telly, so there you go. That's what Jeremy Gus got started out as. Um, so um, well, while we're on Jeremy, so he just, he'd literally come off the lines too, from what I can tell, because they make reference to that at the very start of the... Yep. Of the episode, um, they kind of Ulrika Johnson makes some kind of vague sort of. Though they're doing an international gladiators against South Africans, aren't they? There's going to be they're talking inter- about the, inter- the international gladiators, yeah. And it's going to be against the Springboks, I think, as well as as, as we later find out about them. And she said, "You'd know all about beating the South Africans or something." And he just kind of really awkwardly goes, "Yeah." <laughs> But yeah, because I mean, that ninety seven, I mean, ninety seven is the two one series with yeah. we've got um, McGeekin and, and Telfer as the coaches. Um, but again, because it's because this is pre, well, it's just post professionalism. So everybody's still trying to work out what to do. I think probably the English teams and to an extent, um, maybe Ireland as well. I've, I've got a handle on it or, or a rough idea of what they're doing. Or maybe just more capacity to do it, and they're not as um, ridiculous as the SRU were at that time. Um, you, you know, you've got you look down the list of teams, particularly in England. It's all the North, you know, Bristol, Harlequins, Newcastle, Leicester, Saracens, all the big names. I mean, the Scott Canal at Richmond, maybe you know, maybe you could say that. But then you get yeah. to Scotland, and you've got um, Tony Stanger from Hoik playing for Hoik <laughs> in the '97 Lions tour. Two years out from rugby turning professional. Oh, yeah, we were very slow to adopt it. I know. We? Rob Wainwright, Watsonians, and Tom Smith, Watsonians as well, which is I mean, slightly different because it's, a, but just, I just like hoik. <laughs> I mean, to me, there's a couple of lads from Pontypridd and Clanethley, but that seems slightly less parochial than Tony Stanger, hoik. 
uh, in a prof- the first professional Lions tour. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. So, I mean, a high connection, though, because, of course, Ali Graham from Hoik seems to have the entire of Hoik there supporting him. Yeah, he had quite the army with him, didn't he? Ali, Ali's army, they got their two... As we find out in the quarterfinals, um, they got 20 T-shirts from the Hoik Tourist Board and 20 T-shirts from the Scottish Tourist Board, which I thought was wonderful. And and don't forget the this the the borders tourist board are I quote over the moon with this. It's like what, what one guy's gone on gladiators and the whole of the tourist board is over the moon. It was just bonkers. Well, look, I'm you know I'm from the borders. We've got some nice hills and some nice countryside. There's a bit of history, but you know, you need a bit of a sell sometimes. You need like a hook. To get people to to pull real people in, and it's a nice story. There's even the Hoyt mascot. I like the fact that Hoyt, they got the Hoyt mascot there as well. A guy yeah, dressed up in a full yeah. full bear suit. Um, I had to, I had to Google what he was at first because I was just a bit concerned that they'd you know tried to somebody hadn't got a ticket and yeah. they thought you know what well, just sneak him in as the as some giant bear and it'll be fine. But yeah, <laughs> no, no, he's a genuine Hoyt mascot. Um, we we've we've shot past the best thing though about gladiators which of course john is this this is still one of the greatest tv themes of all time it is an absolute thumping good tv intro and the gladiators are just coming on the screen now they're coming in with their oh love it I really like how they, um, it makes no sense that bit. Do you have the heart to be a winner? It's not for beginners. Deep down in your soul makes no sense at all. His lyrics. But it's a beautiful line. It is. (laughs) I can't think of a Saturday night. I don't watch a lot of Saturday night TV at the moment, but I can't, I, I mean, can anybody sing me the Britain's Got Talent theme or the X Factor theme? They're not, they're nothing as iconic as that. They don't have lyrics for a start. Exactly. I, I actually th- I feel like I've been on an episode of Gladiators myself now, having basically headbanged all the way through that uh, beautiful. Every, the lyrics, the guitars, it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, so nineties as well, though. Oh, beautifully nice. Absolutely. Um, it's worth a bit of context though. Nineteen ninety-seven. Before we launch straight into this, it, I mean, compared to now, think I, I looked this morning on my morning my morning uh, state-approved walk. I was having a little look um, at what was, what was going on in 1997. Not an awful lot, John. <laughs> not, not compared to current times, no. No, and given when me and Rory did the 1990 uh, episode and we were like, and we covered the first three months of 1990 and basically that was a hell a hell show as well. I was like, yes. That was slightly yes. comforting going through that going, we, we've been, you know, it will come, but it's lovely. I mean, 1997, you know, there's, there's bits here and there. You know, the biggest by, thing to happen this... in, in February is that Dolly the Sheep is cloned. Yeah, but by this point, have we? Because nineteen ninety seven was, of course, the 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 rise of things can only get better. Tony Blair. Um, yes. Well, he returned. By this point, do we have him as prime minister? He is. He um, won a landslide majority in nineteen ninety seven in the May of this year. 
and this what a what a right wild ride the Britain was on at this point. May second, the Labour Party become returns to power for the first time in eighteen years. May third, Katrina and the Waves win the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> what a time I, to be I, alive, John. I remember watching that live. I love Eurovision. Just here's a bonkers fact there for you. Yep, I said it. I absolutely love Eurovision, and I remember watching that. And what a banger of a song that was it's as well! A wonder, a glorious, a glorious song. It's it, they Britain finally worked out how to write a, a Eurovision song, and then I think didn't they follow it up with the rap the year after? Yes. Was it the year after? Basically, or the year before the rap. I think I think I think it was the year after. I think what Britain's Eurovision strategy has been basically Scotland for most of professional rugby, which is fig- <laughs> figure out what to do right and then never do it again. Yeah, I'm trying to figure, where's the, uh, yeah, it's Birmingham. So we were, it was in, the, the year after it was then in Birmingham, Diva from Israel won it. That was the, uh, no, I'm thinking of Dana International. You're thinking of Dana International. Calm your, calm your jets here. No, it was Dana International won the, won the year after, yeah. It was not international. I didn't think it was uh, 98. 98, one in 98. I thought it was much later than that. It does make sense in a a way because um, Dana was quite popular on a certain Euro-based TV programme that was quite popular at the time that maybe shouldn't be watched by... Yes! Euro-trash. Yeah, what what an absolutely wonderful... uh, Oh, the telly was great in the nineties on Eurotrash, I know. So good. I'm just double checking with the United Kingdom. Oh no, we didn't have we. It wasn't the rap. It was um, Imani singing "Where Are You," which I which I I don't even remember that. But basically, we probably because of the cost of hosting it, decided to just to stick in a crap one than a year after. Yeah, so we could we can can uh, compete. Although we did finish in second place, one point ahead of Malta, who came third. Well, there you go. Gave it a so good run. It could, we couldn't have been that rubbish, but it was back then when they voted for the host. They all done the whole yeah. You've had a great, great show, UK. We're buttering you up. And this have, was have ten points. For this was pre telephone voting as well, wasn't it? As well, this was when yeah. yeah. Um, it's when the, the old people got together and proper judged. The um, major thing to happen, of course, in um, ninety seven was the death of uh, Princess Diana. That was um, me as well, wasn't it? That was the oh, um, August thirty first. August thirty first. Ah, see, I'm completely. Two days after my birthday, and I was I was working that day, and I got sent home for, with full pay. I was working the caravan park next door to to our house, and my job I had two jobs. I had to pick up litter in the morning around the caravan park, and then I had to go and shift all the barrels from the night before in the pub, and shift and sort all the empties out for the returns, and. The, everybody in the office was really sad and I, I didn't really understand why and they were like going, you can just go home son it's alright, and I was like, oh no oh, I'm, I'm no. alright to work, I'm fine to work and they're going, don't worry, we'll see you right and I'm like, what's going on, I don't understand I mean, you know, it was £10 it's £2.50 an hour I got, but still sent £10 yeah. at the age of, you know how old I was, 15, 16 what a time, that was out, so I, I was I was, Nine, I was made up. seven. that's like a full salary I know, I was made up, I think I, made, I went off and yeah. probably went to Woolworths and bought myself some sort of Britpop album I don't nice. think this is the height of the Blur, I don't think 97's Blur Blur Oasis, is it? Um, I, I, Again, I think we're on second wave because sort of 95, 96 was your kind of your, your peak Blur Oasis battle 
uh, battlegrounds, and then I think by '97 we're sort of moving into um, pro- probably the end of Britpop. Actually, uh, the, Sp- the Spice Girls will be with us by by '97. I'm of thinking, yeah, of course. Well, this is I think you're right. Pop pop mix. You got Bittersweet Symphony by, by the Verve, Mbop um, by Hanson. I think we, we're into commercialized um, Britpop at this point. Yeah. Tub tub thumping, Chumbawamba. Oh, Chumbawamba! I get knocked down, but I get up again. Yeah, You're never so going this to keep would be the Br- this would be the Brit Awards where they threw that drink over John Prescott. Oh no, that was the well, year after. Be the year after, wouldn't it? No, that'll be the year after. Yeah, yeah. Barbie Girl by Aqua was the biggest selling song. And again, I mean, this is just the theme running through this podcast is going to be tune. Yeah, Blur song two was ninety seven, so it was kind of poor. I think it was probably the one where Blur won the war. Yeah, yeah. So we, we would we would say sort of 1918, 1945, 1997 yes. were your kind of the the war era uh, winners. It's worth noting as well. 1997 was the year that Scotland qualified for its last ever um, major football championship. Of course, it did. And, yes. And the, because I remember watching the game live on a certain newly founded Channel 5 um, and one, the one person in our scheme at home's uh, house who could get Channel 5. Well, this is, I was denied Channel 5 in Berwick because we couldn't get it. No, most most of Butte couldn't get it either, but there was certain houses up on right up on the hill um, could get it, and yeah, well, there was one person got a very fuzzy Channel Five stream. Yeah, I think if you got if you lived on top of the hill in Berwick, you could get it on Tyne Tees. But if you were in the valley down down in the valley, you only got Border TV. And if you're in the Border TV region, I don't think I don't even think in Berwick you could get Channel Five, even when they turned off the analog signal and went digital. <laughs> you, you you never got Channel Five on a, on an analog signal in Berwick ever. To, to be fair, you didn't miss out on much. I miss Keith Chegwin in the naked jungle. <laughs> <laughs> and and all the younger listeners of this podcast are currently going, what the hell are these pair these of two numpties talking, talking about? about? Let's get back to Gladiators then. Um, I, we, we've... The, the prizes for this... <laughs> It's hard to pick which one you would prefer, is it? Because actually, I think the runners-up prize is slightly better than the winner's prize. The winner gets, and this isn't the winner of the episode, this is the winner of the whole series, wins a top-of-the-range sports cabriolet and £1,000. The runners-up get a holiday to, like, some tropical island and £1,000. So I was trying to work out if the tropical island was, in fact, the Comoros, because I don't think Jeremy Guskett says it correctly. No, I don't. Think, I don't uh, think he does. No, I couldn't work out where it was. Um, yeah, and the only place that I can remotely think of that has the same letters as what that guy was saying was the Comoros. Um, but the the top of the range sports saloon or whatever it was, I'm pretty sure it was a Ford Mondeo. Yeah. If you, yeah, watch watch the episode back. I'm pretty sure it's the new Ford, Ford Mondeo. But it's it's weird I that they call, yeah they but they call it a. Sports cabriolet, they don't give the name of it, do they? No, I think for advertising purposes, they weren't allowed to. <laughs> Probably not. If it was, even it... what do you think it is? You think it's a Ford? I thought it was a Ford Mondeo. Let's have a look. I wonder how much a Ford Mondeo sports cabriolet uh, was there even such things as a Ford Mondeo sports cabriolet? There is, it does. <sighs> you're right, it is. That is exactly what it is. is. It? There, I can see a picture of it now when I've googled it. 
Oh, I'm so pleased. With Ford Mondeo cards for sale. I don't think I can get the uh, classic Mondeos for sale. I wonder how much a 1997 Ford Cabriolet <laughs> is worth now. <laughs> Let's have a look. Does it tell me how much? Can I do it by year? Advert type. I don't think we can. Era. We can. We can do the 90s. We can do a 90s sports Mondeo on classic cars. Got code at UK. 1995 Ford Mondeo, uh, 1,800 pounds. 950, 1,500 pounds. You wouldn't have held your money. That's what I'm saying. No. Um, 5,000 for a Ford Mondeo and it was one, one owner. 1997. Um, that is 5,000 pounds for a 1.8 GLX estate, though. Not a, not a sports cabriolet. Doesn't sound it's, like you make your money back on that. Does, does, does the owner, that one owner, have they got the tag? Like their online tag is hashtag nineteen eighty seven gladiators winner. <laughs> yeah, that would be, be quite. Something. They're still they're still trying to sell their car. Yeah, um, we then have so the presenting we we've, we've talked about Jeremy Guskett. What he's wearing is an affront to fashion. <laughs> That's the first thing my wife said watching it. She was like. That's a disgusting suit. He's got it's not it's like a maroon sports jacket, like the kind that Barman used to wear back in the day. <laughs> but then they've paired it with a pink shirt. Oh. So dark maroon blazer with a with a pink shirt and then I think black trousers. I think they were going with the the idea that let's be honest, Jeremy's personality was never going to sell it. <laughs> So they were thinking, let's 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 sex them up. Let's just put them in something sassy. Yeah, and then this is, I mean, again, this is this is peak Ulrika uh, Johnson time. This is kind of mid yes. mid shooting stars, been on Gladiators for a few years now. So really, kind of proper. I think this is pre Stan Collymore because that was ninety eight because of the uh, the bus yeah, in, in front of the Scotland fans, wasn't it? The bar. Yep. Um, yep, that was but you know, as uh, we, we've talked about, I think there was definitely there, there was some suggestion, I think, of a relationship between her and Hunter at the time, or whether or not that was true or not. We don't well, know. Well, I think I think it's been confirmed there definitely was a relationship between the two of them. Um, whether it was at that time, um, we're not sure. I mean, really, you, uh, male or female, you're around you're around people in spandex all day. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's it was basically the strictly curse, but in 1997, yeah, we should have seen it coming. Yeah, we should have seen it coming because actually, I found out an interesting fact from uh, again from the 1997 season. So the female gladiator Vogue, who uh, who I commented on the other day to you, Cami, yeah, she met her husband in the 1997 series. He was the winner. Of the male, uh, the, the, the oh no, sorry, he was a quarter finalist. He was Mark Roberts. Mm-hmm. He was a quarter finalist, and Vogue met him on the show and is still married to him. <laughs> wow, the gladiators curse. That's oh, all I'm yeah. saying. Unbelievable. Um, I think the um, no, Rika did did uh, confirm that uh, she uh, she was in a relationship with uh, Hunter. In a in a memoirs, according to this, uh, according to the internet, anyway. Um, so then we meet the contestants, and I, I, I did. I, we're not gonna, I, we're not going to talk about the female um, contestants, not because we're sexist, just because that's not the main focus of this episode. The main focus of this episode, 
And I don't say this lightly because my dad does listen to this podcast, but the main focus is the world's coolest dad, Ali Graham, Darcy Graham's dad. Because not only does he go to work with a chainsaw, he's also three-time <laughs> Scottish motor, motocross champion. <laughs> and makes it sound very, very interesting. Yes. It's just unbelievable. So he, come, he comes in on in full Highland dress with the Hoik Tartan, which is, again, great. Like we said, you know, he's doing a sterling job for the Hoik Tourist Board. Exactly. But it does confirm that it's only two years old when asked uh, how old the tartan is. This is two, well, yeah. <laughs> it's about two years old. And everybody's well, looking all, at them. All, tar, all tartans are only about 50 years All tartans are about 100 years old. They're not. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I think they were thinking, ah, yeah, he's probably running about the hills with that one. But no, no. Two years old. Yeah. Um, Ulrika can't. Uh, there's a really awkward bit because I mean, and none of this is filmed live, but Ulrika struggles to understand when he says he's from Hoik. Yes, she doesn't yes. understand what the word Hoik is and has to ask him to repeat himself. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't filmed live, you could edit that bit out. And also, has she not prepared for this and met the contestants like for five minutes beforehand to talk about this? No, 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 no. Come on, she was busy. Yeah. Um, and like I said, we've got the whole of Hoik there cheering him on. And he's up against a barrister with zero personality, I've written in my notes. Yes, <laughs> yes. He is absolutely, um, yes, he is um, dry. It would be a very pleasant way of seeing it. Yeah. Um, We've, we, the first event then is Skytrack. So this is like upside down Skeletrics. And you have to. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. It's cool. So you're attached upside down to uh, this track in the sky of the Birmingham Indoor Arena, where all this is filmed and set. And you drag behind you a button, and then you have to go as fast as you can. Do you have to do one circuit of the track? It's a figure of eight, isn't it? It's uh, one one figure of eight. Yep. Without yeah, and you them get a... hitting the button. Yeah, the I think you get like a ten, ten meter start on them. Yes, um, of course, um, and and overseeing all this is the man, the legend, John Anderson. We need to address this now. How <laughs> you are, John <laughs> yes, Anderson. You are John yeah. Anderson, and we've got the referee in Gladiators, who's also called John Anderson. He, he is, yes, yes. This is not a Gene Anderson moment. We we are not the same person um, no. as I spent most of my childhood having to address. It's John Anderson, you're da. <laughs> and as I said to you in the group chat, of course, Pamela Anderson was very famous at this point as well. So it basically, 97 was the year of the Andersons. We, we basically took over the world, uh, and I was mercilessly bullied for it because uh, people seemed to think that the idea of John Anderson and Pamela being my mum and dad was quite funny. Um, still what, don't understand it. What a pairing, though. Can you imagine that date? Just, uh, I, I, I can't imagine yeah. an, an odder pairing. <laughs> no, I don't think so. He'd probably take her off out to a wimpy, something nineties like that. Just, oh. just, and, and as we, and we'll come on to in a bit with the little, uh, the wee little intersex they do with the, the Gladiators oh, Got training, which we'll God. talk about in a minute. We <laughs> just yeah. imagine John Anderson would spend the entire night just shouting in Pamela Anderson's face. <laughs> Go and eat that head. Eat protein! Up. Protein! <laughs> For goodness sake, love, eat some food! <laughs> Nothing but skin and bones. 
<laughs> Come back to mine then, Hen. Uh, <laughs> not a subtle man, John Anderson. No, he doesn't come across as a subtle man. No. He uh, has a very, very interesting career, though. Well, yeah. Um, if, again, if he is he like, because he was a coach, he's, he's a proper coach, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, he's got, a, yeah, it's a high performance coaching background he has. Um, and he's been involved or was involved with the British Olympic. Um, so he's a track and field coach, basically. Um, and he was involved with the British Olympic Committee for, for quite a long time. Um, and yeah, he's one of the, the most highly decorated coaches in the UK. Which it's really weird, isn't it, that he he then ended up as a referee on Gladiators. Yeah, I think from the from the behind the scenes things, you can see that he obviously he was the he was the referee, and um, he had that that wonderful voice that you could um, you know iconic voice, but. I think he'd done a lot of work behind the scenes as yeah. well. I think he was heavily involved in coaching of the the bigger people. You wonder, well, yeah, because you wonder whether it's it's the fact that he's brought into kind of tra- to, he's brought in to train them, but then they're just like you'll do as a you'll do as a referee as well, because we think you shouting yeah. would be quite good and quite oh, but, oh. enjoyable for to to listen to. <laughs> Um, yes, I've just pulled up John Anderson's page here. Um, so he actually coached uh, Judy Simpson, who went on to be on uh, Gladiators as Nightshade. Yep, uh, Liz uh, McColgan. He, Liz McColgan, yep, yep, um, amongst others. He's estimated to have coached five world record holders and an estimated 170 Great British Internationals in every track and field event. So quite the career before he even got to shout at... Um, Average Joe's taking on Herculean um, people. <laughs> what I like about this, it says on Wikipedia, and I'm not saying Wikipedia is in any way reliable at all for information, but this may well be true. He's currently 88, and it says he's only partially retired as a sports coach. <laughs> it would be wonderful if that is true. It says he, no, he continues to coach on a small scale. Oh, that's fantastic. Wonderful. I want to... We need to find who he's coaching or find him. And this could be like the the lockdown edition of Where's Dougie Donnelly? Where's John Anderson? Where's John Anderson? Can we hear from him? Um, and can he just give, give us a wee sound bite? Just all we to, want to is know. podcasters ready! ready! Listeners <laughs> ready! We should start every podcast that way. It'd be glorious. Should, yeah. Um, Definitely. So, the I mean, it's a really short... Um, event this the sky track because both of them get yes. caught really quickly. Um, he's up against um, Cobra, I think. In this, I wrote down. Yeah, I, th- I believe he is. Yep, and Cobra's Cobra's very quick at this event. Cobra is good at that event, and I thought I thought Ali started quite well. He seemed to go off pretty quickly, and he looked like, looked decent, and then it was just a pure acceleration, and he got caught just after the turn, uh, the first turn, which, yeah, both both uh, contestants were out very quickly. Yeah, he slightly slipped a little bit, um, yeah. yeah, but I can, and, and this is the first result for uh, Cobra on the internet says that he has admitted that he was often drunk whilst on Gladiators. <laughs> I read that yesterday as well. Yeah, um, the producer used to have to, uh, he would, uh, like, particularly for things like the wall, he'd be like, "Yeah, I'm too drunk for this." 
um, seems to um, he um, hurt himself doing this last year doing an insanely tough workout. Oh, yeah. Um, so yes. So uh, in terms of where are they? That's rather de- de- depressing. Where are they now? Um, he was not in a good way as of as of August twenty nineteen. Hopefully, uh, much better now. But um, the uh, yeah. So um, then the other guy gets caught as well. So that's not too much of a. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nil nil. It's it's you're you're kind of looking. I always thought the male events in particular, it was it was it was always a case of the default was to get nil points, and anything you could pick up was was like a bonus. But you know you were just kind of hoping that your opponent got zero all the time as well, because um, the by by season six the gladiators were so good, yes. like they knew these events back to front. And I mean, you can see the ones that the events that had been in there from the from the start, the gladiators just didn't lose them ever. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's and that's so that's the difficulty because they know exactly what they yeah they know what they're doing, and so it's quite yeah because there's not many when you watch the, them that there's not many that contestants actually win. No, no, with, and with, that's across even both them. I mean, the the women's events as well. That wasn't a high scoring heat either. No, I mean the the um we cut then to a montage of the gladiators working out on some sort of summer camp in what looks like Spain or somewhere else European by the by the sea. Um and we found out that John Anderson is also their trainer. Which I mean it hardly makes him impartial as a referee. No. Um it's worth noting as well that he is resembling the um, let's go with the shade of the cancel call button on Skype. By this point, he 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 is rather rather scarlet. Um, obviously, been enjoying the sun a wee bit too much. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, a, a, a Glaswegian man in hot sun. That's that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, take a Scotsman, any Scotsman, and plant them, send them on a, a summer training camp. They're going to come back red. It's either that or he's just so furious. He's he's just finished like bawling someone out when we see him on camera, and actually he's bright red. He's like he's like Alex Ferguson red. Can we talk about his bum bag? What do you, <laughs> what do you reckon's in there? Um, oh, that's a very good question. I I would I would probably say what was what was a popular kind of snack at that point? Because I I would reckon it would be some sort of. Complete food snack bar, like a Kellogg. The Kellogg cereal bars were out by then. I think they were. They the were, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or maybe a military ration, just in case. Some Kendall mint cake. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> think Mr. Kipling's. I think it's like Paul Bearer, and he keeps uh, Wolf's soul in there to control him. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yes. Yes, a bum bag full of soul. Yeah, he then says, which is really weird, he says um, they're there to talk about the three S's, which are speed, stamina, and specific. I didn't understand what, why specific was in there, but then I worked out that, well, if they didn't put specific in there, it would just be SS, and that has a completely different connotation <laughs> altogether. So, 
So John Anderson's probably been going around talking about the two S's, and then ITV have said, no, we need a third S. We can't go around yeah, telling we... people we're going to do the SS. <laughs> yeah, I did pick that up, and I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt and went, so he says specific, and then he says, so we're going to concentrate on speed today. And, he, and you know, he's trying to be specific at that point, yeah. but... Yeah, um, I think, yes, the suggestion of um, fascist regime armies might might have swung up for ITV. Yeah, basically when, you, when you're when you training a bunch of uber uber supermen as well. Bon terre, boy, uber supermen. <laughs> Come over here now, just let me talk to you about the two S's. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, don't sue us. Come on, no. guys. <laughs> Very much the uh, very much from the Jim Telfer school of coaching. Even in, I mean, yeah. you can imagine this is this is this is clearly set up for filming, but he's still very angry and barking orders at them. So just imagine yeah. what happened when the cameras were off. I know, I know. I think like you you see him coaching the female athletes, um, female athletes, female gladiators, coaching them like athletes, um, and yeah, he's absolutely going ballistic on it. You're like. Easy up there, Tiger. Yeah, um, more. We'll, we'll come back to revisit that John John Anderson's training camp, not John's training camp, but John and the the gladiators. John, this would happen. I knew this would happen. John, the gladiators trainer, John Anderson's I, camp later in the. Episode. I might do it a lockdown training camp and just do it like John Anderson from Gladiators, just to really, really confuse everyone. <laughs> John Anderson's training at lockdown training camp, and then have <laughs> everyone very. Dis- camp. Well, you could just do it off camera. And just yeah, that, shout or, angrily, or and, imi- and people might believe it's him. And cut images of the gladiators in, and just be like, "Yeah, this is what I coach." Yeah, make little gladiator puppets. <laughs> to make look like the dance, <laughs> the, the trade. Anyway, um, <laughs> three weeks into the lockdown, this is what happens. Um, yep. So the next event there uh, that we get, come on to is swing shot. So you have in the arena four raised platforms with like steps down to a point and then a, a big drop two contestants on bungee cords two gladiators on bungee cords hanging from the middle of the arena is a pole with colored balls on it and at the top are red then yellow then blue i think so red are worth the most blue are worth yep. the next and then yellow are the the 1.5 points and i think 10 points i think I might have that wrong. Uh, what, what, one, one, three, and five. One, three, and five. I think you. Yep, that's right. Because that's what I've written down here. I don't know why I didn't just look at my notes. Um, so Use your notes, Cam. Use your notes. They're up against Cobra and Wolf. So Cobra specifically up against Ali in this event. So the object is you jump off your platform on your bungee rope, hit the floor, bounce up, and try and take a ball, and then put. A, you've got to then return it to your bin on your platform. Though that's very important. Yep. Um, Cobra's up against. Um, Ali, Wolf's up against the other guy, and I absolutely blows it out of the park in this alley. Absolutely yeah, smashes he absolutely it. Absolutely smashes it, doesn't he? A couple yeah, of blue balls, yeah. so that's ten the... points straight away. Utterly humiliates Cobra. Yep. It's one of the best uh, swing ball performances I've ever seen. Yeah, it he gets the rhythm right because I think if you can, because there is a tactic to it, isn't it? If you can get, because when I watched the the women's event before it if you get them off their rhythm then they get nowhere near well, as soon as they're off their rhythm and they can't reset and essentially that's what happened with Ali and Gladi yeah. and, 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 and Cobra 
is he got him off at the end. Cobra, all Cobra could do was stand on his platform because there's no way he could match his rhythm to yeah to stop him. And again, it's surprising because you look at the women's event and it was Lightning in particular who was, I mean, I think she nailed the contestant. Um, she was just outstanding at it. And again, you're talking about one of the original gladiators, if you will. And Cobra, Cobra should be good at that. I mean, yeah. Well, he, he said afterwards. Yeah, he said afterwards that like how well Ali had done with it. Yeah. No, he absolutely trounced them. We're, we're going to talk. We don't worry, folks. We are going to come back to Wolf in a moment because the event after this is Pendulum. Now, this one, I think this was one of the late. This was a newer event. This because I don't think this was one of yeah. the original ones. So this is a giant ball that's covered in cargo netting, and the uh, basically the, it's hanging from the ceiling and it swings back and forward very slowly and the object is to evade capture by the gladiators for 40 seconds um i think you get 40 seconds you get your points and then a minute and you get 10 points or something like that i think is what i understood by it yeah so i what it says in the official um fan page is that in season 6 you got Five points for 30 seconds and 10 points for staying on for the full 60 seconds. But they must have changed it for this because they were definitely talking about 40 seconds. So presumably it was too easy yeah, to get five yeah. points for 30 seconds, so they've upped it. Um, what I like about this is because John Anderson gets an extra little bit of a uh, thing to say. He goes, oh, will you start sir. the pendulum, please? Which is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and then you've got the the beautiful, beautiful um, classical music um, pumping out. They really knew how to set. Again, they knew how to set the theatre of the the thing. I was I was saying to to my wife that I would have loved to be in the crowd for for a gladiators event, just just because the music and all the fans were going mad. It looked so much fun. Well, because the theme song is the um, it's the theme from the Omen. It's um now I call it the theme from the old. It's actually uh, Ave Santana Santani. So it's like do yes. do 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 do. Yeah. Um. So I, he didn't do bad. He's up against Wolf. Um. And there's a little video beforehand um, of Ali saying uh, basically like I'm. You know, they obviously ask him. You know, how do you how do you train? How have you prepared for this? And he's like, going, "Well, motocross keeps me fit." And I'm like, "Yeah, fair enough." <laughs> <laughs> That's you. You know, you've entered it off the back of being, you know, a, a, a motocross, motocross champion. Yeah, and he, you know, and it's it must have done so well because he <laughs> he's doing better than his his opponent at this point. Um, but I like that confidence. I'm I'm good at motocross. I'll be good at gladiators. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it wasn't a very let's see standard reach, but uh, but yeah, I love it. It's good. Good com- good good good. Uh, yeah, good confidence. Um, last last twenty nine seconds against Wolf tries to kind of get to the the south pole. Seems to be important. If you get to the bottom of the ball and can hang on, that then makes it harder for the gladiator to take the flag off your back. It seems. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you made it gripping on down there is difficult. Yes. So twenty nine seconds. You did it. Did um, Wolf then comes down, tries to have a bit of smack talk, but um, Ali's not really having any of it. 
So Wolf goes off to intimidate people from Hoik, but of course people from Hoik aren't intimidated that easily. Um, and he takes a foam hand off a small child and rips the finger off. <laughs> and then storms off. <laughs> but because it's Saturday Night TV, they then have to show a member of the production crew, Q, Q, giving the said child a foam finger back that's clearly been signed by Wolf. Yes, and it, it said love from Wolf. Oh, it was, it was clearly a. I know it, it was a big sweetie, really. Um, I I actually thought that scene was really interesting because um, I realised in that moment where Darcy learned it all, um, the, the the sort of the beautiful mocking intimidation that Darcy had in that Calcutta Cup game where he sits upon his uh, his throne of vanquished th- uh, foes. Yes, um, he learned he learned from the master. He learned from Wolf. Right at that point, because I mean, it. Wolf's right, right in Darcy's face at that point. I mean, Darcy's like what four months old at this point. Yeah, he, I mean, maybe he's, even younger. He's, he's asleep most of the time. <laughs> even during, and it's noisy in there. <laughs> he's sleeping right through. There's a couple of times it comes like, and baby Darcy's sleeping right through it. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Like it's just, I I mean, I've got two kids, and the thought of preparing and entering gladiators with. You know, having a, with a small baby, two small kids, and just going, oh, I'll give gladiators a crack. I mean, fair play. I'll get a kebab stab, yeah. Yeah, I know. I could only think about eating, uh, about entering like coffee drinking contests yeah. when, when, when he was four months. So that's why we're yeah, the snowflake generation. That's, that's why we're the snowflake generation, John. It's, it's absolutely, yeah, we wouldn't have lasted two minutes in the 90s. <laughs> um, wolf. Oh, oh, wait, what? <laughs> Um, Wolf is um, still going strong. He um, in 1994 he played one match for the reserve team of Gillingham FC. He played for 73 minutes before going off injured. Did he? The match Legend. attracted a crowd ten times the average for the club's reserve team games. <laughs> um, he's been missing for the scene for nine years, um, and um, he now lives in Auckland. Apparently, um, he does. He is in a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu champion, and here we go. He 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 is a twice silver medalist competing against fighters half his age for the New Zealand for the New Zealand title in Jiu-Jitsu, and he's also a regular on the Kiwi cage fighting scene. He must he must be about one hundred and fifteen by now as well. Sixty. Sixty. 60 yep. and still Ooh. 66. No, uh, not, yep, yeah, still a regular in the easy. still a regular in the cage fighting scene at 66 in uh, New Zealand. I don't know what who's, <laughs> I don't know who that says more about the cage fighters of New Zealand or Wolf from Gladiators. <laughs> we'll put a positive spin on it and say, you know, Wolf, Wolf does not age, Wolf is a. Uh, Wolf is immortal. Well, that's because John Anderson keeps his soul in his bum bag. <laughs> we then we get the other jo- uh, training montage, uh, which is just uh, John Anderson shouting at Hunter in a gym for a bit. That's what I've written in my notes. Reasonably, yeah, yes, yeah, and it's Hunter doing. So, if you look at the the reps he's doing, um. It looks like he's doing quite a small weight by this point. Uh, no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give him benefit of the doubt and say that he was clearly doing a pyramid set, uh, and he was getting to the end of it. But he is hamming up the noises he's making. 
yeah. for what looked like quite a tiny weight he was he was um, pulling. Um, I just I, I thought because I, I assumed the women's event and the men's events were the same. So um, the women did whiplash next, where they're basically handcuffed they to did. each other and they have to drag each other out the ring. Well, they have to drag the gladiator out the ring. And all I wrote was down, basically, it looks like an Eddie Jones, something Eddie Jones would come up with to injure loads of his players. And the female, and one of the female competitors got injured. She did, yes, doing, and that was it. Doing yep. it, yeah, she, she suspected fracture of her ankle. Um, um, yeah. Which was a good effort. Which, again... It, Right, right in Eddie Jones's wheelhouse. That as a training exercise, I thought. Um, showing, uh, showing my fandom once, once again for Gladiators. It should be noted that season six was the first time they actually done what was called the split event, where the men and the women for one of the events done separate, separate things, mm. um, and that was designed so that they could get more, um, more of the events in. So they wanted to get six events in as opposed to five. Well, there you go. Good knowledge, yep. good gladiators uh, knowledge, John. Straight off Wikipedia there, boom. Um, what what the men actually do is sumo ball, which is a giant ball on a platform. There's a lot of balls. I think it's probably the same ball that they did pendulum on. I'm not entirely sure. Basically, it's a giant ball <laughs> suspended above a platform. There's a gladiator at one side of the platform and the contender at the other side of the platform. And the gladiator then has to push the ball against the competitor and the competitor has to stay on the platform for 30 seconds now Ali is up against Rhino unfortunately I felt that was unfair and unfair in the draw <laughs> you're up against yes. Rhino you're going down yeah pretty much what they, but they do the comparison though and this is the this is really strange and anyone that follows me on Twitter will have seen will know what's coming up next because then they talk about the stats now um they have Rhino at one meter fifty-two centimeters, that would make him four foot nine. Yes. They yes, said he or, had hundred. Or... They said he had hundred thirty-two centimeter chest. That would make him one hundred and fifty-two centimeters tall <laughs> and one hundred thirty-two centimeters <laughs> wide. Which, as someone on Twitter pointed out, would make him almost spherical. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and also. Four foot nine and seventeen point six stone. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a waste. Yeah, it's a it's hundred hundred and twelve clicks, isn't it? It's yeah, pack, packing. Yeah, he, what's the BMI on that? Wait, God knows. BMI calculator. I'm doing it right now. Find the go. BMI on a four foot right, nine. You felt you felt Cammy. Well, I find out the BMI. Um, if it compare, was actually um, four foot. Ali stats. If anyone's interested, he's uh, one point eight. Meters tall, which makes him five foot nine. Darcy's five foot seven by comparison. Uh, Eleven stone nine, and has a forty-two inch chest, one hundred and seven centimeters. Up against Rhino, who is seventeen point six stone. So he's given away straight away six stone on Rhino. Um, uh, how are you going with the BMI, John? Uh, just getting there. Just need to tick tick male. There we are. Yep. Ethnic group optional. Yep. Go for it. Come on. Oh, it wants activity levels. Why? Why? Well, don't don't ask. Me. Active. This guy was active. He's active. He's a gladiator. Of course, yeah, he's active. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, 152 centimeters uh, and 112 kilograms. Your BMI is 48.4. <laughs> <laughs> and a healthy weight for your height is 42 kilograms to 57 kilograms. <laughs> 
so a little bit more googling, uh, and it turns out that that is not actually Rhino's height. So they got his they got his height wrong, on and nobody noticed on Gladiators. Uh, he's actually five foot ten, which is still a for, that's still a hell of a weight for five foot ten. One hundred and seventy two centimeters, which on the, on the old BMI count still makes him thirty seven point eight BMI. <laughs> he's like the anti uh, Bruce Lee. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what's what's the BMI of the the Fijian hooker at Glasgow that Kevin says is the the largest BMI of any Glasgow player? It's it was, be it up was there. sort of yeah, but I mean, thirty seven point eight is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, um, Rhino um, has gone on to great success. Yes, he, he has starred in uh, Renford Rejects. Which, um, if anyone remembers, it was a Nickelodeon TV show about um, in, in the late nineties about a five-a-side school football team that starred the guy that took over from um, a, a, from Taggart and Taggart. Nice. Um, the he also then went star in loads of films, uh, including um, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, and he was a shadow warrior in Batman Begins. He was, and he was the voice of a rhino in Zootopia, I believe. Yeah. He also, in 2005, uh, took on lottery winner Michael Carroll in a charity boxing match, and um, the fight was stopped after three rounds due to Carroll's inability to continue. Wikipedia says, the former binman later stated, I will definitely get back in the ring with him. I will train harder the next time. The charity rematch took place at Manchester Evening News Arena in September 2005. This time, Carol was knocked out in the second round. Fantastic. Wonderful stuff. Um, in terms of the event itself, um, Ali's blown up for an infringement by John Anderson. Hand and leg on the platform. I didn't see what was wrong with that. I mean, obviously you can't uh, just I mean, lie it was down. Like that. It was... Obviously you can't lie yeah. down. That would be cheating. No, it was I. I kind of I likened it to when when Xander Fagerson was getting pinged for his scrummaging a lot. Um, you know, I think there was just there was a bit of reputation there. Rhino's got the reputation. John John sees him as the better scrummager, and you know, Ali pays the price for that. That's it. Yeah, it's basically who 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 um, who's painting the better picture. It was yeah. No, it was all about the picture. And to be fair, Rhino is twice the size of him and was painting quite a good picture. Yeah. Um, next up, it's Gauntlet. Now, this is definitely an Eddie Jones training exercise that he's done at some point. <laughs> yes. And if it isn't, it should be right now. Essentially, you've got one, two, three, four, five, five. five gladiators with tackle bags, pugil sticks, and they have yes. to, and you have to run basically along a, a half pipe to get round them. <laughs> What sick creature thought that would be a good idea? Utterly brutal. And you have to get your whole body over the finish line. As we found out, yes. Uh, yep. And, wow, you can really see where Darcy gets his physicality from. He does. He does really well, yeah. He gets low. He goes in hard. He goes direct. Unbelievable. I, I, I mean, he puts in some really big hits. Yeah, I mean... I think again, Rhino's Rhino's in the gauntlet with him, and he shifts him. He, he gets him out the road, and you're thinking, I mean, uh, yeah, you can see where Darcy gets his gets his uh, taking on Matteo Bastero and Rocks uh, ideas. I'd imagine he just cause... watched watched his dad on Gladiators and went, 
that's how I'll deal yeah. with Machu Bastaro. But it would it, it would have noted that his dad had a kilogram and a, and a, um, an inch on him, uh, and probably thought, right, fair enough. Uh, I'm going to have to hit twice as hard. But yeah, that gauntlet was it was brutal. Um, yeah, really, really brutal. I actually felt bad for the. I was going to. I know. He, I know he's a barrister, but I was going to call him an accountant there just because it would make it seem even more boring. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I think in particular his one was, and he was raging after his because I think it was Warrior was the fifth gladiator in the run. Yeah, and Warrior just absolutely pummels him to the ground and pins him down. Yeah, um, we've got. Um... So Rhino, we've already covered. There's Ace was in there. Yeah, Ace, Ace was a new gladiator making his debut uh, in this series. Uh, who now, according to the Where Are They Now, um, five years ago, which well, it's now it'll be nine years ago now, um, became a, a, a found god, let's say, and now preaches. Um, in a second-hand gladiator outfit. Not gladiator as in the gladiators we're talking about, but gladiator as in Russell, Russell Crowe gladiator. What? Yeah. You've made that up. Nope, 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 nope. There is. Uh, where are they now? Ace gladiators. Let's find it. Is there any two, £2,000 to £20 an hour? Warren Furman. Yeah, dated Katie Price in the late 90s. I appeared on One, this morning about his uh, doomed relationship with Katie Price. Yeah. No, I saw something about him being a born-again Christian. Why does he wear a gladiator or... outfit? Because even... he goes around schools and talks to them um, about, you know, whatever it is you talk to kids about these days. Um, and he, wear, he wore a gladiator outfit, but he apparently thought, you know what, I can't wear the actual gladiator. Probably thought that you couldn't wear the actual gladiator outfit because in modern times that would probably get you landed in a jail cell. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I like the fact that he said, um, he, he went on this morning and said he doesn't like talking about being a gladiator, but he went on this morning to talk about being a gladiator. What <laughs> <laughs> about right. hypocrisy? Um, Khan. Now, Khan, was Khan a new gladiator? Khan, Khan was new as well, yeah. He's now, yep. he's now um, nobody knows where he is now, apparently, according to the official um, the official site. He's now possibly a nightclub bouncer. That makes for a very, very interesting... It's, it's basically like the legacy, isn't it? You know, all these guys who we know what they've done, and Khan's like, yeah, no one knows what I've done. It's, uh, it's quite dark. Yeah, and then um, Warrior... He's had a checkered history. He has had a checkered history. Um, there was a gang jail for threatening him. Yep. Um, I think he had. Um, there was he. He was involved with something to do with firearms at some point as well. Um, let's was, move on yep. from Warrior in case he finds out where we live. Um, yes. I'm sure he's a lovely he used man. Used to play rugby. He did. He, he did. Play rugby. Uh, played for the English Colts. Apparently, didn't I? Didn't he find did, out what yeah. position. Um, I would imagine it would have been a, a rampaging number eight. Yes. Can you imagine? That running at you? No, 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 no. No, no not at all. Um, so, yeah, that's, no points there again. Um, again. It's a hell of a... Again, a hell of a hell of an event, that one. It's it's hard to watch. Yes. Like, yeah. 
Um, let's eliminate the time, John. Four and a half second start, Ali's built up here, which is yep. good going. Um, now, the um, he gets going. He nearly gets caught, but then he pulls away on the nets, fumbles a little bit um, on the seesaw. Darcy, at this point, fast asleep in his mum's arms. Yep, yep, could not care. Just, just, exactly, not completely unaware of what's going on around him. Um, <laughs> one minute 42 in the quarterfinals, though. Yep, I, he was up against the uh, the chartered surveyor. Um, and yeah, just um, I, I noted, I was trying to like track because, as you said, you know, he had, a, he had a four and a half second start, and I was like, right, he's, he's reached the cargo net, let's see how far ahead he is. And I think, you know. John Smith, he just kind of fell off at that point, didn't he? And um, you know, Ali could just kind of take his time and get through. But compared to some of the other, I was looking at the other times in the heats, uh, and I think this was the second heat of eight. At one meter four, uh, at one minute forty-two, was amongst the slowest times in the heats. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, so... to be fair, with, without the seesaw fumble, without having to. Yep. Attempt the seesaw again and the kind of like the, his legs going under him on the travelator, which you know like, happens, can happen. Can happen, happen to a lot of people. Would I think if you'd taken that out of the equation would have been a more reasonable time, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know, it's it's back to the classic adage of you can only beat what's put in front of you. Yeah. Um so yeah. Speaking of which then, the quarter final. Yes. Right. We'll come on to the controversy in a moment. Um, Jeremy Guscott's back, though. This time, he is. in an oversized yellow jacket and black T-shirt. And I've just written down, he looks like an estate agent at a cocktail bar on ladies' night. I was going to say he looked like a jar of Marmite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a great look. No. It's not a great look. I don't know who did his wardrobe, but it looks like whoever, whoever it was, I think, has I possibly colourblind. So, looking for the the quarterfinal episode, I actually st- accidentally stumbled upon a semi-final episode. Ooh. And but and by this point, he's wearing what can only be described as a let's let's go with a a smart casual polo shirt, but it's a long sleeved polo shirt. Oh, but it doesn't that's never actually have a po- doesn't have a polo collar. It has a kind of shortened. But oh my, it's it's a bold statement again. The guy's the guy's got it going on. It sounds like he's walked straight off the golf course after trying to improve his twelve handicap. Yes, yes. <laughs> or, or um yeah, I mean just not a great look. Yeah. Um so the whole hike is back and Ali comes on and presents Ulrika with a haggis. <laughs> with a pro with of nothing. a bag, with a bagpiper behind him. And, 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 uh, was that was that a young a young man called what was it Mark Smith or something the the young the young lad who he brought out with him randomly? Yeah. What I liked about this is there was a rumor on the internet that that was Stuart Hogg a while back, and I really ah. wish that had been true. <laughs> oh, that would have been brilliant! It's such a weird play, you know. Like I got into a bit of a, a an, well, not an argument a debate earlier on Twitter. Hoik. It's population fourteen thousand, according to Wikipedia. So you're yeah. going to fluctuate between twelve to fourteen thousand over over time, probably less in the in, in the past. 
Hoik has produced 60-plus internationals for Scotland. Yes. It's produced a, a number of British and Irish Lions. At the moment, as, for, so far as I can tell, at the moment, there are at least three, like, three separate rugby clubs operating in Hoik, all playing first-team rugby at different levels. Either in national or regional leagues. At one point, there was at one point, and somebody somebody um, tweeted me the full list of things, that, including the defunct ones. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten defunct ones, and there were at least another four on the go. For such a small town to have that, there's somebody trying to argue me about Limerick. Which is a population of ninety thousand, and it's Jonathan Brown's trying to argue me on on Twitter that, that somehow that makes Limerick better. I don't think we're, anyone's arguing about who's better. It's more just sheer number of clubs to to per capita within such a small area. Yeah, I think that's that's reasonable, and I think as well, there's Hoik was kind of when when professionalism hit, uh, when professional rugby hit, those traditional rugby heartlands like Hoik were. Yeah, as you say, you know, in '97 they were still being considered top players. Were still playing for Hoik, but it's not long before the investment is going elsewhere from your central bodies. Whereas in Ireland, Limerick is all of a sudden, you know, that 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 continues to be the absolute heartland or one of the heartlands of of Irish rugby. So to compare them to say that you know of. Oh, Limerick's produced X amount of Irish internationals or has X amount of clubs. It's like, well, of course it does because it's getting tons of investment, whereas Hoyk gets ball goal now. Yeah. Whereas then they've got, I think, so they've got Hoyk Linden, Hoyk Harlequins and Hoyk RFC all still running in Hoyk. Somebody pointed out, nice. though, that those, well, there was Hoyk YM up until recently, but they're now running officially as Hoyk RFC's second team. And somebody did say there are other teams who, in the borders, that will have the same number of players. They've just got designated second and third teams but i don't know i kind of like that um that kind of i kind of like that 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 way of thinking and how i give just like going when we're not going to be anybody's second team we're just going to set up our yeah. own first team to have yeah. be the second yeah, we're, team we've got ambitions we're change your name yeah <laughs> you playing for? I'm, I'm playing for the first today yeah yeah i i as i'm always playing for the first i've just i've changed the name but i'm playing for the first yeah exactly we're going to set up our own club <laughs> Superb. But you think at the minute though, who what you think about the Scotland team, you've got Rory Sutherland, Stuart Hogg, and Darcy Graham. Yep. Unbelievable. Three. Yeah. Two two of well, Rory Sutherland probably player of the tournament for the Six Nations gone by. Yep. Darcy um, Graham probably and, player of the World Cup for Scotland. Yep. And Stuart Hogg the well, let's go for captain. I mean, is that is that can we, are we allowed to can yeah. we can we say that as a positive? We can. Current captain, player okay. of the, at least, but player of the decade. Yes, yes, Scotland. So, it, it, I think it's fair to say Hoyk punches above its weight. Yes, yes, and, and to, its tartan's beautiful. It is a beautiful tartan. Yeah, um, we we we'll find out in a minute though that I think every single gladiator and presenter got a haggis. <laughs> <laughs> We believe we so. We believe so. Or, or, or Hunter shared his, was sharing Ulrika's and thought it was for him as well. Um, <laughs> the first event then is the tightrope, where you 
essentially you it's like you, a reverse zip wire so you pull yourself along the zip wire and there's a gladiator also doing the similar on another zip wire parallel with yours then you get to the other end unclip yourself press a button and then you zip back down the zip wire and have to hit a bigger button with your feet when you hit the bigger button with your feet the other person's zip wire explodes <laughs> genuinely actually explodes and they fall onto a net below them you gen- you couldn't make the- this TV anymore <laughs> it looked really complicated getting out of the, like, the changeover that's it, really the change, and that's it because he's I mean Ali's up against a guy called Brian and Brian was fast in this and he, yes. I can't remember Brian had um, possibly Cobra I don't know Cobra was probably drunk when he was doing it um, <laughs> he really struggled to get out of his harness this is possibly a new event. Ali, I think if Ali hadn't struggled with his harness, he would have, he, he's literally a split second short of completing the course. He's up against Hunter, who were unsure yeah, at this he, stage is in relationship with Aurorica or not. He was, he was really, he started really well. He was fast. He stumbled again, uh, which seemed to be, a, you know, a consistent thing. He stumbled. But when he was going head to head with it, he was faster than Hunter. And yeah, it was just, and I think for the way down as well, like it benefits the gladiator because obviously gravity is going to have its have its say. And if you're thirty kilograms heavier than someone, you're going to go that wee bit faster than the zipline, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, so no points there, but Brian got full points. Who's up against? Um, then we've got John Anderson talking nutrition. It was incredibly dull. Oh, that, the poor nutritionist. Oh, I I felt so sorry for. Her. I was like. You've studied for like 10 years to come on Gladiators and just bore the life out of me uh, to tell me about proteins and, oh my, uh, yeah, it was it was awful. Yeah, no, I didn't enjoy that at all. I, I, I He wasn't shouting at her as well, which was incredibly disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about the proteins! <laughs> Show me the pasta! Um... <laughs> <laughs> then it's the, uh, the one of the best gladiator. I think I, one of my favorite events is Powerball. Yes, Perry two scoops. Was it was it uh, two scoops? Berry, what's his name? Who um, was on it for? Wait, wait, was it Wesley two scoops? Wesley two scoops. He was he was a master at this. It was American guy that came good. over and competed. Um, you would think. I mean, um, it's essentially again. This is again like some sort of weird Eddie Jones training exercise. You have to run with a ball and pop it in five different baskets spread across a course whilst being rugby tackled by three gladiators. If you get it in the middle pot, you get a lot of points. If you get on the outside pots, you get less points as it goes. But you have to go from one end to the other to complete the course. So it's a bit like British Bulldog, really. Yes. Yeah, you swap sides each each, each time you... you inevitably get smashed into the grounds by a gladiator, you switch sides and go and get a ball from the other side. Oh, I, I've, I've, I've accidentally just put Wesley two scoops on in the background. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I've, there's apparently a YouTube video of Wesley two scoops jumping over a car. So well, just you if you're interested in that. Um, but yeah, this for me was the event. It's most like a rugby training exercise to your point. But again, we were sitting watching it and it's always one of the more brutal ones. And it's, I, I would be really interested to hear how many people have got injured doing Powerball because it seemed to be 
one that always, always, always people ended up broken after. Yes, because the guy, the, his, the, Brian, the opponent, breaks his leg in the quarterfinal. And I stupidly said to my wife again, I stupidly said to her, oh, it just looks like he's got a dead leg. And it, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's got a broken leg. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. The... um. This is the first, so we've got Ryan Oasis and Saracen. So this is the first time we've come across Saracen so far. Yeah. Um, a full-time firefighter. Indeed. Apparently. Um, and recently competed in, uh, was it, what is it, is it Ninja Warrior or something? Was it Ninja Warrior or this one? Oh, where are they? That, that, that... I, may have, I may have looked at the wrong, I may have looked at the wrong, uh, I may have looked at the wrong website there for the wrong person. It said, uh, it was Ninja Warrior show. He took part in it in 2015. Took part in ITV's Ninja Warrior show. Fantastic! Well done, well done, Saracen. Um, so no points for Ali in that event. No, there was uh, there was quite a few very very big hits going in. I know, and whilst well. I think whilst whilst we can say that you know the, the physicality shown in uh, Gauntlet, um, that that Darcy's clearly picked up. There's no there was no stepping. No, he 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 did not try to. To step actually in the in the women's event, just to to um, there was one of the contestants dropped an absolute peach of a sidestep on a, on the gladiator. I think it was Falcon, and she just dropped her with a sidestep, and I was like, "That is absolute beauty." It's like you know you've got those those YouTube supercuts of rugby sidesteppers with like you know Stuart Hogs on them and Darcy and and, and the like. This this wouldn't have looked out of place on there. It was filth. Yeah. Um. So at this point, Ali's the twelve nil down. Yep. Um, and they bring a stand on. And this is where I think it's unfair because they give the stand on, it the twelve points that Brian's built up. And yeah. I think the fairest thing to do there was to say it's nil nil and you start again, not start the events start. again, but do the do the you know say from here on in it's nil nil. No, no, go for it. Three events, off you go. Yeah, it does seem a bit strange that they gave they gave the points. Um, you can only, I guess, you can only suggest that maybe World Rugby are involved in the the scoring system. Let's just say if, if if Mark Dodson had been here, he would have threatened to sue. I, I mean, I think he already did. <laughs> I'm like fairly sure of it. That's yep. Yeah. Um... It's another going pendulum. Then next, up against Hunter, thirty-four seconds almost does it here. Yeah, yeah. Again, he, he he makes Hunter looks really fast as well, and he makes a really good effort. Hunter gets quite close to him, but he's, he he manages to get his body just out the way of him a couple of times, and then yeah, he just can't can't quite uh, stay out the way long enough. But a really good effort, and. Hunter's Hunter's been made to work for his money in this episode. By the way, um, he's he's he he is really really putting in a shift. Yeah, um, the this is where we find out we get a little montage. It wasn't I've said it's the Hoyk Tourist Board. It's not. It was Radio Borders and the Scottish Tourist Board that supplied those forty T-shirts. Really, really good T-shirts as well. If if anyone has one of those T-shirts. Please, 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 please post a picture of it online. Yeah, I, I what I liked about it as well is they they thought up their own version of Ali's Army to sing. <laughs> yeah, wonderful stuff. Um, 
we've then got the wall, which is basically you first, climb. First time. Yep, you climb a wall, and you get chased by a gladiator. Ali's being chased by Ace, so strong on. What I like about this is the the uh, it's got my favourite John Anderson intro, which is contender. You will go on my first whistle, gladiators. <laughs> you will go on my second whistle. It's got that little uh, Sean Connery slight kind of shh sound. Yeah, which is beautiful. Um, get we we shot Darcy asleep <laughs> again. Again, sleeps all the way through this. It's glorious. Um, now what I liked about this is. Ali shoots up the wall, gets to the top, and he's going, yeah, that's the first time I've done that. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was really nervous about that one because I've, I've, I've not been up it before. You're like, what? <laughs> yep. I've not done any climbing of any sort but whatsoever yep. before, but yeah, here I am at the top now. Out, out, out sprinting a gladiator. Yeah, yeah, very good. So you get ten po- full 10 points, so he's back 10-12. Yeah, because so, he's he's opponent who apparently had a three course meal just before coming on, um, got no no points and uh, looked like he'd had a three course meal. He was fair, fair struggling. Yeah, and at this really it should be ten nil at this point as well. Yeah, if we're doing it fairly, uh, we then move on to a, a gladiators classic, which is hang tough, which oh, is you you you're, you're hanging rings, and you have to get from one side to the other with with a gladiator swinging towards you trying to kind of pull you off the rings I was going to say a gladiator trying to pull you off but then this is a family podcast um, and you, I was I was going to interject there but I will not based on you adding that um, so that you get if you get halfway across you get into the red rings those are the scoring rings you get 5 points if you get all the way to the other side you get 10 points he's up against Khan and I mean, this is an unbelievable. This is what happens here is just unbelievable. He he Ali's so quick across the rings, almost gets to the other side, leaving Hang Khan absolutely for dust. Somehow, Khan swings himself back and just manages to wrap his legs around him just as he's swinging for the platform. The drama, yeah, John. He, he grabs he grabs like the absolute last fiber of that skin tight leotard. And hauls them in with it. It's it. It was peak Scotland for me. Uh, well, like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we were we were so so close. Um, yeah, it was it, like it had me jumping up and down this morning. I was really really kind of stressed and excited, and I was I was in it. It was yeah. it was yeah. But peak Scotland. What what I also enjoyed was that. Khan was obviously trying to make him a name for himself as as being the new wolf because he came off and tried to do some sort of speech about being a Terminator. Yeah, but, really, but then he kind of trailed off halfway through it and then looked a bit and, embarrassed. Yeah, and then so you can tell by this point, uh, Jezza has got his confidence up because Khan tries to take the mic back off him, uh, and Jezza is just like. Nah, mate, we're not doing that. Nah, nah, and just walks away. Um, and it's like, oh, you know, left hanging, brutal. And then what? What I think is quite galling here, like I said, the, the opponent. I haven't written his name down, so apologies uh, if he's listening. I doubt he will be, but if if he has decided to revisit this, um, his opponent, who has inherited twelve points, then gets tickled off by Wolf. Oh, how good was that? 
he gets slapped in the face first and then yeah. gets tickled off. <laughs> it was glorious, but what a humiliating way to go. He should have been docked 12 points just for that. Just for that. I, I loved Wolves after um, the after speech. And he was like, how did he get chalk on his face? <laughs> Legend. <laughs> so, oh, so good. So coming into the Eliminator then, if we suppose... You get? Did you get? Is it a second for every point? Or half, half a second for half a second for every point. Half a second for every point. So yep. the guy. So Ali gets the Ali's opponent gets a second head start because it's ten twelve at this point going into the eliminator. If they had done things fairly, I think it would have been. Um, it would have been a five-second head start to Ali. Yes, and if 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 Ali's lycra had been a wee bit tighter, it could have even been ten. Yes, if if Khan had, and and that's I, that that's that's what's disappointing here. Now, before we go on to what happened, although if you've watched this already, and you probably should have watched this going into this, otherwise, what me and John are talking about it probably sound like a load of nonsense. Um, <laughs> Before we, we talk about what's happened, we should introduce our very special guest on the podcast because earlier on, we spoke to the man himself. We caught up with Ali Graham to talk about um, his appearance on 1997's Gladiators. Ali, thanks for coming on the podcast. The The first thing we always ask anybody um, who's been on the podcast uh, for the first time is what club socks they would wear if they were selected for the Barbarians. Now, um there's a fair few rugby clubs around. Did you actually play rugby uh, yourself? No, I never played rugby. I was never into rugby. Uh, I used to race motorbikes. I used to do the motocross. Um, so, yeah, rugby was never my thing. So I was kind of surprised when uh, when Darcy took up the rugby. But no, I, motocross was my thing. Motocross. So so maybe maybe uh, motocross socks, if you call it, for a, a father's uh, barbarians kickabout. Yeah, what's what socks are? Have to be the hoik, I think, would it not? Probably, yeah, I would guess so. Um, that'd be the most obvious choice. Um, <laughs> in in terms of um, gladiators, then, because I, I mean, you, like you said, you were sort of three times Scottish champion at motocross when you entered. What what was it that made you want to enter the gladiators? It was just something I, I used to watch it on the Saturday night on the, on the telly. It was it was quite a big show way back in the day, wasn't it? You know, the uh, the late eighties and early nineties and that. It was a big show, and uh, you know they used to have it at the end of the show if you were uh, wanting to be a contender, just apply. And I thought, oh, I'll give that a go. So yeah, we just applied for it, and uh, we got uh, we got a date for the uh, for the trials. So we uh, so we went along to the trials and uh, we done our thing there. So so was this the you, you the first time you'd actually attempted to enter it when you actually got through? It was the second time. The first time I went up to Edinburgh and done a trials up in Edinburgh, but uh, it was late on the day when uh, when I got my. So I think it was kind of too far gone. Um, but the second time I applied, uh, the second year, uh, it was down at Gateshead at uh, Newcastle. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it all went well. You know, they do a they do a, a fitness test, and then you uh, you get an a, an interview, and it's uh, it's 
going from there. So is that pretty much it then? You can, it's it's a fitness test and an interview. They're not don't sort of run you through kind of mock events or anything like that when you're doing the trial. No, well, what you do is you you, you do your fitness, which is, I think, if I can remember rightly, it was um, 800 metres in under two and a half minutes on a tri- on a treadmill. And then you had to do your chin-ups with a five-second pause and then monkey bars and rope climb. And, and then you do a, 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 a dual fight um, with, the, uh, with the bags. And then after that, it was quite well worked out, the trials, because what they weren't wanting was really big, strong guys. Um, so I think it was quite uh, it was quite well worked out. You know, the, 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 the run to begin with would have got rid of a lot of big, bulky muscle guys. Um, so, no, it was quite well worked out. They, were, they knew what they were wanting in, uh, in size of guys. So in terms of the your own preparation for it, did you just kind of rock up based on your own kind of fitness level or did you do any actual kind of prep for it? No, <laughs> no, I was, uh, no, not really. Because I raced the bikes, you know, I was uh, I was kind of done my own training with the bikes and uh, I raced the bikes every weekend. Um, and of course, you know, I grew up in a farm, so I was kind of kind of fit with that. It was all always physical work then, so I was kind of kind of naturally fit, which was quite uh, quite handy. So, in terms of the events that you did then, because you were in two episodes, you were in the heats and then the quarterfinals. Were they kind of filmed back to back in one? Because I mean, looking at Darcy, doesn't look like he ages at all. So I'm assuming they got to get you down there for a few days and and film it all as a one. Well, uh, that's right. You go down to Birmingham and uh, the, the, you're down there for three weeks, and they film the whole the whole thing in three weeks from the start to the final. Um, so it's all done in three weeks, yeah. And uh, you know you have your. I think they've done sh- two shows a day, um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, the shows kind of lasted about three hours. It was a great atmosphere. You know, we had uh, I think we had about two hundred and fifty folk came from Hoyk. I know. I was going to say when we watched, I was watching it back at the weekend. It looked like you had the whole hike there with you. Yeah. Oh no, it was brilliant. The, the support I got from hike, uh, the hike people was just tremendous. Uh, that's one thing about hike folk; they do tend to support. Uh, but no, it was a great atmosphere. Yeah, it was really good. Now you said I think the two two episodes you're in, you definitely had the loudest fans there. I would I would say there was even a wee uh, sort of version of Ali's army that they'd they'd done. Who who, who came up with that? Yeah, that 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 was Cammy Reith. It was Ali's Tartan Army, and he had, I think he had a wee song as well. And uh, you know, had Robbie the Bear, which is uh, the sort of hike mascot. <laughs> um, so I know, as I say, the hike supporters were fantastic. What what was the hardest event for you then? Oh, I think the hardest one to try and get was uh, was it Sky Track? Yes, it was like a it was like a Skeletrix, but hanging upside down. Yes, and they had to cheat. You had sort of so, buttons, buttons attached to your back. I think they had to pull round. That's right, and they had to chase you and uh, pull the cord. Um, so that was quite a hard, uh, quite a hard one to get. Um, and of course, even the wall. You know, when I was doing the, when you done the wall, it was it was quite hard because that was something I'd never done before. Uh, even rock climbing, I'd never really done. So, but the wall, I really quite enjoyed that. Yeah, you looked like you kind of surprised yourself that you you you, got, you kind of shot up there quicker than your uh, your rival at the time, and you kind of said at the top, "I've never done that before." 
Uh, well, that's right. I did. I said uh, the top when I got to the top. I was really, uh, I was really surprised. Uh, but I just stood at the bottom of the wall and and uh, just sussed out my pace and you know where I'm putting my hands and my legs and I just got it into my head and I was really, really surprised that I got up uh, before they caught me. Yeah, I mean, because. Um, well, yeah. yeah, no, I was going to say one, one thing I noticed in terms of the, the wee clips that they do of everybody is everybody else seemed to be encouraged to kind of have a go at the gladiators, but you were quite kind of mild. Did they try to get you to provoke any of the gladiators at all, or were you just not having it? Uh, no, the, 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 well, you had Wolf. Wolf yeah. was a showman, wasn't he? Yeah. He was, uh, he was a really nice, a nice, a nice fella, like, yeah, but he was, uh, he was a showman, like, and he kind of says, look, if you don't want to, but no, no, I was quite happy to go along with them and, you know, have, have a bit mess about, but, um, no, they're, 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 uh, they're nice uh, guys, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, in the terms of the way it actually ended for you, it, it seemed, slightly controversial because I think you're up against a guy called Brian who went down with an ankle injury when he was 12 points ahead of you but in terms of the guy that then came on you you beat him for points um I think from the from the point he came on was that a bit disappointing for you or were you kind of happy just to have done the experience it was quite disappointing because I know I Brian, he'd done a few games, didn't he? And then he uh, he had his he broke his leg, I think. Um, but I was fast, I was quicker as him in the eliminator. But the boy that stood in for him, he was kind of fresh and fresh legs for the eliminator, and uh, he was actually quite quick in the eliminator. Um, so it was a bit disappointing, but oh no, it was a tremendous uh, a tremendous experience. Uh. Yeah. Oh well, Ali, that's been wonderful. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. No, no problem at all. Thank you very much for having me. So, John, there's two things to pick up on there. One is, this is all kind of filmed back-to-back over a three-week period. Secondly, he does no training whatsoever for it. <laughs> and the trials basically are, are you fit enough? And he was saying basically to, to kind of filter out all the bodybuilders and just get athletes in, which is really interesting. That all they want is fit guys on it. And you can see why, because you couldn't, you couldn't be a bodybuilder and then come and like run the eliminator could you yeah no it is it's really interesting and i've I've always wondered actually how it was filmed so it is really interesting to hear you know the, the condensed period that the film within um and probably i, I had a theory earlier on regarding the kind of um the reason the gladiators go to spain uh which the, the tax laws at the time still meant that if you spent enough time out the country, you you wouldn't be eligible to pay tax. So perhaps that's that was their, their logic. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but, uh, but no, it is, it's, it's really interesting to hear just how intense it is. And what was even more disappointing, because essentially what happens is the guy who he's up against um, beats him in the Eliminator. And he puts, Ali puts in a good, good, good showing in the Eliminator, runs a reasonable time, and what he said was if he knew his eliminator time was better than Brian's, who was the guy he was up against. So potentially if Brian hadn't scored any more points, it would have been 10, 12 going in there and could have been his. If he'd had the five second head start, I think he would have done it. Yeah. I was trying to work out earlier on whether like based on a five second head start, if he would have done it. Um, And yeah, it would have been really close, but I think he could have. Yeah, and then we would be talking about semi-final and this would be a two-hour podcast. Yeah, we would actually be here till next month. Um, <laughs> doing, 
<laughs> fill your lockdown with podcasts about gladiators. Yeah. Um, can I can I just bring us back very slightly because there's on. one glaring omission here. Um, one thing we haven't discussed as yet, and I was going to bring it in on Hang Tough, but we moved on. Hang Tough was Jet's event, and by series six, the mighty Jet has has retired from Gladiators. Yep, but she is and still remains everyone's favourite Gladiator, I believe. Yes, I I think without without a doubt everyone's favorite gladiator. Certainly, men of a certain age's favorite gladiator. Yes, yes. There's no there's there's no doubting that. Um, it was quite interesting. Um, there was the where are they now thing, uh, and there was a there was quite a quite a quite an in depth interview with her, uh, and she was talking about the the kind of how mad it was around that time. You know, she was just basically a you know, an average person who happened to end up on this program. Um and, you know, the the world went mad for her at that point and the fame was quite hard to deal with. Yeah, you can imagine because it's just such a you know, I think that I was reading earlier that in the first series basically they hauled two of the competitors to one side and said, We need two extra gladiators, you're it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they like these are just like bodybuilders, athletes, you know, and some of them fairly successful athletes who've just been said, oh, you come and be a gladiator. Yeah, all right, then that sounds like something good to do for a year. And then the next thing, yep. you're the biggest thing on British television because as we found out, in the earlier series, there were four channels. And unless you had Sky, there was nothing <laughs> else on telly to watch other than this nothing on Saturday else night. To watch. This and Noel's house party. You were up against Noel, that's right. So it was, it was Jet against Mr. Bobby. Yeah, I think I can find out what was on. You, yeah, what was on ni- 1997? Um, let's have a look. BBC One schedule. So this must have been. Um, this must have been late. Um, let's have a look. See if we can find a Saturday schedule on BBC. We can't find the ITV ones, of course, because it's um, the the ITV ones aren't available online. But we can find. So let's have a look. Saturday the first of November 1997, which is around Gladiators time. We've got. Um, yep. Start in the morn- morning with um, classic sci-fi, Flash Gordon, Space Soldiers. Sweet. R- Romuald the Reindeer. I, don't- oh, I remember Romuald the Reindeer. It was a, a cartoon about a reindeer. Uh, we've got the animated Dennis the Menace. Uh, and Nash- I think nice. that's, the, that's the American one, not the, um, the one that's just called Dennis, I think, that one. The well, car- you, you are the expert on these things, given your I other podcasting so. check. Antics. Dennis the Menace, was it the... Um, I, th- I believe that's not the Beano one, but it may be the American Dennis. We then have the animated series of Conan the Adventurer. Because they had to call him Conan Sweet. the Adventurer, not the Barbarian, because that wasn't suitable for children. In the same way that they changed it from <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to Hero Turtles for the cartoon version. That's right. Yep. Then we have the new adventures of Superman. Lois gets the journalistic scoop of her career. Um <laughs> Live and kicking now. Here we go. Live and kicking with Zoe Ball, Jamie Stixton, and Jamie Stixton with a with a fantastic nineties uh, lineup of na- guests are Natalie and Bruglia, formerly nice. of Neighbours, and North and South with their latest singles. There's a roundup <gasps> of computer games with Adam I, and the latest entertainment news in Electric Circus. Uh, comedy from Men in Trousers. Now Men in Trousers, I think, was Greg Davis. 
I think Men in nice. they took over from um, Men in Trousers took over from Trevor and Simon for a year. Um, I want to find out who Men in Trousers are because I'm sure they turned out to be someone famous. Do you remember the? T- do you remember Men in Trousers? I don't actually. No, it's it's not when I. Uh, it's not when I was um, familiar with. Men in children's TV. Let's have a look. This is there's been some fantastic. Uh, you can tell how much research we put into this. Um, they have no. I don't have a list of um, who Men in Trousers were. I've got a feeling that someone famous was in Men in Trousers. Someone who's now famous was in Men in Trousers. Anyway, we've nice. got a competition to win. Uh, let's see what you can win. Oh, the Leprechauns as well, who were like little puppets as well. Grandstand then. Introduced by, guess who's introduced by? Doogie Donnelly. Oh, Doogie! Yes. Fo- football focus with Gary Lineker. So much early, early Lineker here. We're racing from Ascot yep. with Peter Scudamore. Motorsports highlights. Commentary with Murray Walker. Hockey Live. Coverage of England and Korea Women's International. Promises to be a tough test for England, who provided nine of the British squad at last year's Olympics. Commentators nice. Nigel Starmer Smith. Um, then we've got a boxing cruiserweight. Then rugby high, highlights of the rugby uh, league first test at Wembley between Great Britain and Australia. Commentary by Ray French and Jonathan Davis. Then final score. We then have Are You Being Served at seventeen thirty half past five? That was a repeat. Then Jim Davidson's generation game at eight at six o'clock. So Families go through their p- quarter past six. I think so. This would have been. This would have been up against it, I think. It would have been, yeah. So this is what's on the other side. So six o'clock, families go through their paces in a series of challenges as they strive to win an array of prizes. Guests tonight include belly dancers with a difference, the British Gymnastics Squad, and the cast of the hit musical Elvis. Then nice. it's Noel's House Party. More fun and games from the great house at Crinkley Bottom with Noel Edmonds. In the third episode of the village soap Mad Dog McGinty, escapes from the local jail who will claim the £5,000 reward plus find out how to join the house party in Florida in a few weeks time then Bob Monkhouse with National Lottery Live casualty whatever it takes a woman whose baby has been stolen that sounds dramatic um, <laughs> then there's a film called Brit of Vengeance which i never heard of it's always a Saturday night film and then Match of the Day later on hosted by Des Lynham um, so yeah, that was what he's up against Saturday Night TV back in the day. I forget. Noel's House Party was. If you're young, go and Google Noel's House Party. It was a complete other world back in 1997. If you can look up Mr. Blobby and Will Carling, that's a classic. Um. So yeah, is that it for Gladiators, John? Because we've we've rambled on about this longer than I thought we would. Yeah, I I thought we were on for a peak twenty minute, and um, <laughs> here we are, an hour and a half yeah, later. We've managed to use like 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 John Anderson's uh, fills. We've managed to um, take take this one right out. Just before we go, though, so night we've we've done a lot of retro tonight, but nineteen ninety seven. Um, would you care to guess the? best-selling video game of 1997, because I heard you obviously mention uh, on Live and Kicking, there was a video game chat. Best-selling video game of 1997. Oh, now, 1997 was... Oh, I looked this up the other day, because I was trying to work out when pre-Evo Soccer came out. It was ISS Pro at the time. 
because that yep. was what I was playing when Scotland won the 1999 Five Nations. That's right, I've seen that, yeah, yeah. And so I think it's pre-PS1, so we're probably still in. We're not, I don't think we've got to the N64 yet, so we're probably still looking Super Nintendo. I had one of those, or Sega Mega Drive, possibly Sega Saturn era. I'm going to say Super Nintendo... I've got a feeling I'm wrong on this. And I'm going to guess Street Fighter 2 Turbo, but I think I'm too late. I think I'm too what late. A, what, what a stunning game that was. But no, you're, you're actually... 97 was peak N64 time. Oh, uh, GoldenEye. Uh, and, uh, so no, it wasn't. It was Mario Kart 64, oh. which was 1997's best-selling game. Um PS1 was around at the point. Uh, 1997 was also the year that Final Fantasy VII was released, which has just been remade. And mm-hmm. a certain a certain best-selling game uh, also first came out in 1997, Grand Theft Auto. Oh, that was that first version of Grand Theft Auto. I had that on the PC. That was a good game. You were just like a little it dot. Was. It was all filmed from above. And it was all... You were just a little dot that ran around a little map. And yet it was still brutally violent. Well, yeah, because you could, if you found, if you, the trick was, if you then, if you found some Hare Krishnas, they would then follow you around and you had 12 of them following you around. And then if you got in a car and ran them all over in once, it would call out Guranga. That's right. (laughs) You couldn't do that. (laughs) I don't think Grand Theft Auto could do that now, if I'm honest. no. No, and people say the new games like, but like literally encouraged you to merge it, m- murder based on people's religions. Yeah. So on that note, eh? Yeah, on that note, yeah. <laughs> this has been fun. Um, that was that was glad. It's like I said, next week we're going to try and do a roundup of everything that's been going on in the world of rugby by trying to predict and analyse what's likely to happen when we come out the other end of this when it comes to rugby. Um, so... Um, I, I'm, I'm giving you fair warning of that. If you are trying to avoid all mention of what's going on in the world right now, and fair play to if you are, that's a, a perfectly legitimate thing to do, then you may want to skip next week's podcast. We'll try and not get bogged down too much in world events and try and stick to the rugby, but inevitably there will be some uh, chat about it. Um, after that, who knows? We've we've come to the end of what we had planned when when we um, when realised there wasn't going to be much rugby on. So we will put some put put our thinking caps on and try and think of some other things we can try and cover. The um, SRU are putting out the uh, a live um, or they're broadcasting as live the 1990 Calcutta Cup on Friday night at seven o'clock on their Facebook and YouTube channel. So do take a look at that, and then afterwards. Why not come back and listen to um, our Calcutta Cup podcast if you haven't done already? But for the moment, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from John. Goodbye.